by your spirit you would strengthen us from our inner being that our lives would be found certain and steadfast on the truth of your word and the reality of who you are and therefore who we are in you stir us lord i pray in jesus name amen wonderful please take your seats guys just uh, a few notices before we get going um just welcome if you're visiting welcome it's wonderful to have you with us some guys who haven't seen for a while because of covid and stuff it's good to see you again uh just a reminder this evening there's prayer from 5 30 here 5 30 this evening prayer here corporate prayer meeting also then this week we have our normal home groups so if you're not part of a home group and you want to be part of one please can you come and see me or one of the leaders and we'll connect you to those. Then just a reminder, everybody who is involved everybody who's involved in the music teams or the worship teams, if you don't know, on Saturday the twenty sixth there is a um, practice here, one thirty. One thirty for guys to go through to learn new songs, uh, what we feel God's stirring in our hearts as to what uh, different songs are coming through. So if you want to be part of that or you want more information, please speak to Lisa, uh, who's coordinating that one. So that's on Saturday, the 26th of March. Then uh, just a reminder for, uh, for Easter, Good Friday, we have the normal town-wide joint service in the town square. Um, I think it's 11 o'clock. I'm still waiting for the final details to come through, but that's on Good Friday. Then on, on um, Easter Sunday, last year we couldn't do this, but we're back to our good Easter Sunday services. So we're going to do Easter Sunday service as a brunch like we have before. That'll be organized through the groups, but that will be here on Easter Sunday in person, a great time to invite friends. So just diarize that. And then also just a reminder that there is the NCMI U- uh, European Equip happening uh, in, uh, in, Mar- uh, sorry, in May. Uh, the deadline for the early bird price of the tickets is the 15th, so you haven't got very many days. And I mean, registration is still there, but if you want 20% off the cost, then go online. It's ncmieurope.net. That's where different churches from around the whole of Europe are gathering together, leadership teams and, and people from the churches in Paris. Details are on the website. If you want that, please uh, go through there. Then um, also just a reminder, another date for your diary is the 15th of May that weekend. Remember, we've got Tony and Suzanne Sievright joining us uh, the first time that they'll be ministering here on their way to uh, Denmark. So uh, just keep the whole weekend open. I haven't, I'm still, again, I'm waiting for details from them. Uh, but we'll probably have some, if they are here on the Friday, Saturday, we'll probably do stuff on the Friday night and the Saturday as well. So that's the 15th of May. Then um, before the children and the youth go through, I just wanted to give you an update on the situations in Ukraine with the connections that we have. Uh, Oleg, uh, uh, sorry, no, Alexander, the guy who, remember I told you from the church in Poltava, was now in um, uh, Warsaw. He sent me a message yesterday to say his wife got through to him, so she's now with him in Warsaw. Their boys are still on the western border of Ukraine. They won't be allowed out because they are fighting age, so they're not allowed out, um, but they are safe. Um, the church in uh, Krakow uh, are doing an incredible amount of work. We were able to send some funds through there, but they are seeing thousands of people through their church. Their church is going to the, the, they're close to the border. They've been through to the border. They're housing people with people in the church, but also are a key point for 
those outside of their church as well. They're also working with some of the other pastors in the Ukraine who are just bussing people, going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and we've been supporting them in that to get people out of the different areas. Then again, this week I heard from our friends in Kiev. Most of the women and children are out of the country. There are 50 of them are now with the guys in Dresden in the church there, staying with them, so I was in contact with them as well. Uh, all the men are still in, um, in, in the Ukraine. There are a few others that, are not, uh, that haven't been able to get through, but so far everybody's doing well. Uh, I'm still concerned about Oleg and Tatiana and Mikhailov. I had now haven't heard them from them for a week. So I've been trying to get hold of their daughter in America to see if I can contact them. But, uh, so just carry on praying for the whole situation. Uh, but that's the feedback. Thanks for praying. They really, really have appreciated us praying for them. Um, and again, once all this is finished, then we can go back uh, and minister back into the nation. But the people are so grateful for the support and just knowing that we are here praying for them has made a huge difference. So please continue to do that as we, as we carry on. So children, you may go through, so primary school children that way. Um, Rachel, there's youth today. Yep, so youth, you're upstairs uh, in the top there. So, yep, while I change microphones, won't you say hello to someone, welcome someone that you haven't seen before, and uh, then we'll get on with the preach. Cool, well, let's just get on with that. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive straight into the word this morning. Father, I thank you that you've already spoken, that um, you, we've already encountered you. And Lord, I pray that this morning as we continue to look at your word, that you would challenge, uh, challenge us, equip us, uh, uh, and um, just bring freedom, Lord, in our lives, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I start, Andrew had a word when he came uh, during worship that he really felt that God was... If you come share it, Andrew, where's the mic? Before I start preaching. Just get that from me, sir. Yeah, so I just had a word about not being distracted. I was reading my quiet time and I had to read the same page about four times as, as it happens. And I just, God really spoke to me about, just, just be focused this morning. I think God's really got some key things. He's already spoken to us already, but some really key things. Just, so keep your attention. I really felt it was also for the youth and the kingdom too, though, even if they're busy doing stuff, that God will speak to us um, directly. And so just be yeah, attentive and receptive. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Good. So we are carrying on this morning. We, last week we looked at um, building a culture of a truth. You remember how we looked at that? Where we, um, but over the process of the last few months, time just flies. I had a look back in my plan as to how long we've been preaching different things. And I think, well, I've been preaching that for ages. And that's actually, or just, I did it just the other day and it seems like it was last year. 
But um, we've been looking at the pictures of the church, who the church is, then building on that the spirit, what it meant to be led by the spirit, so that as we've come out of being restricted to being um, more unrestricted in our in our living uh, post COVID, we can then start getting back into the things that we actually call to and build right with the things that we know are biblically truth, biblical biblical truth, rather than just things that we've always done. And so last week we had a look at, and the previous week we also, but last week we had a look at um, what it means to develop a culture of truth, truth based on the Word of God and how we live through that and, that, uh, and live that out in our lives. And um, this morning I want to carry on looking at a different, again, building on the thing of developing cultures that actually what we believe informs what we value, which then shapes what, how we live, the culture that we live in. And we looked at what that meant a couple of weeks ago. But this morning I want to look at what it means to have a culture of um, evangelism, uh, witnessing, and church planting, and that kind of that outward focus of all of that. And so uh, we're going to unpack some of that and uh, look at how that is. But I, I'd encourage you this morning, as we look at that, that you would be saying, God, where do I need to make the adjustments? Where do I need to make the adjustments in my, my thinking? Where do I need to make the adjustments in my time management, my lifestyle, my planning, so that I can actually fulfill what you've called us to? Remember a few weeks ago, we looked at the fact that we, uh, our very purpose is to know God and to make him known. Basically, the great command and the great commission, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, but then also to go and make disciples of all nations. And so this morning, we're going to look at what it means to uh, be those who have a culture of evangelism, witness, and church planting, and what that looks like, and what that says about what we believe. And so I want to start with this question. If you had to consider, now this, was, this is a rhetorical question, if you had to consider that in your life, and also in our life corporately, what does the culture that we live out, in other words, how we live our lives, Say about what we truly believe. If we understand that what we believe, fashion and form, what we value, that then determines how we live our lives, we can say, oh, I believe this, I have this value, but actually if we're not living that, surely that then reflects on what we actually believe. So I'd ask you just to ponder that for yourself, personally but also corporately. What does the current culture of your life, your family life, our life as a church, Say about what we truly believe and how much is it outworked. That's why I said, as, we, as I look at this this morning, then, then we have to say, God, help me make the adjustments. So it's not out of condemnation. It's out of a sense of, God, we want to follow you with everything that is in us. We want to live according to your word, according to your way, to de- declare the goodness of God, to preach the gospel, to see people get, get saved. Lord, help me to make the adjustments in my life, in my thinking, in our life corporately, in order to do that more effectively and to do it how you've called us to. So we need to start by looking at, well, what does the Bible say? Because if we base how we live our lives on the, what we believe, we need to go back to the Word of God to see what the Word says, so that's what we build on. Not just, well, we've done this, we've done that, they do this, they do that. This is a good idea. This is a, the latest thing. But actually say, what does the Word of God say that we are convinced of that we can then build solidly? And as we, even as we sang that song about faith, of walking on water, we have to go back to actually that's, 
we see that evidence of that in Scripture, and when we, when we build our lives on the truth of the Word, then we can walk on water because our faith is in Him, not in man's idea or good idea. So when we look at that, if we look at the New Testament pattern of evangelism, witness, and church planting, even that, the New Testament pattern of that is grounded in the Old Covenant the relationship that God has from us, all the way back from Genesis, all the way through, we see it's grounded in the covenant that God made with his people. The commission in Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, which is going to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, that scripture, that commission, and the one in Acts where Jesus then speaks, Jesus spoke both, Jesus speaks to his disciples and say, wait in Jerusalem and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Both of those actually are rooted in and start way back in Genesis chapter 12. You could say even the very beginning when Jesus says to Adam and Eve, go and fill the earth and subdue it. But if we pick up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, is where God speaks to Abram. And he says this, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And so what we see is that promise is fulfilled through Jesus. And as, as, as people turn to him in faith and get saved and are discipled and become followers of Jesus, that's a fulfillment of that promise in Genesis, which is part of the declaration and the commission that God gives to the disciples in Matthew, also in Mark, and then also in, in Acts, and also to us. So what we see in Scripture when we look at the New Testament, the fulfillment of all of that promise is all found in Jesus. So whatever we do, whatever our focus is, it needs to be always on Jesus. Our focus is on Him. Our message is Him. That's the gospel that we preach, the King and the kingdom. And it requires us then to take seriously the commission to go and make disciples, to go and preach the gospel. And so when we look at evangelism, witness, and church planting... Those things are, are different, but they're all connected and intertwined. You can't remove one from the other. And I know that when we say evangelism, all sorts of pictures would come into your mind. And some people, they, they then get stirred up by that and they're happy to run out the door. And others kind of would rather run away than actually do that. But it's usually because of our experiences or our insecurities or what we've seen done rather than thinking, actually, God, what are you calling us to do? And it's every single believer. The commission is for every believer, not just some, not just leaders, not just those who are extroverts, not those who are just happy to talk to anybody, but actually it's a commission to every single believer. And that aspect of preaching the gospel, making disciples, should run through every single thing that we do on every single level of every single life of every single believer. We've looked at that a while ago, but that's the truth. That, that thread of evangelism, witness, making disciples both locally and globally, because that, remember there's that picture of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when God spoke to, to Abraham in Genesis, it was all nations. So it's not just here, but it's everywhere. That whole global and local needs to run through every 
level of every day of our lives. And so that's why we need to look at this and say, actually, how does it work? And when we look at evangelism, evangelism is, is a declaration, more uh, declaring and preaching the word of God, speaking about him. Uh, uh, witnesses also that, because to witness, you, you give an account for. So they're slightly different in that, or you could say, in that evangelism is more a, a de- declaring and a preaching. Witness has to do with speaking, and, and that's witness, uh, declaring the truth that we know. Witnessing more has to do with testimony of God's goodness, God's faithfulness, and the truth. So it's also only grounded and found in the truth of God's word. So the message is the same, but it comes from a personal thing. So evangelism is declaring the truth. The gospel message, preaching the gospel, witness personalizes that as well. So it adds to that the personal implications of, I've experienced this of God, God's faithfulness. Because remember, if, you, if it's a legal term, if you bring someone up to witness, they witness what they have experienced or what they've seen. So that's where we see that. And we give an account and also live a lifestyle. And I've often said this, that as believers, we, we don't just live our lives and say, well, my life's going to speak. We actually have to speak. It's no good just saying, well, my life is, is, is the example. And people could see the life, my example, and if they ask me, then I'll give an account. But actually, there needs to be that proactive thing of, I need to declare the truth. We need to preach the gospel. We need to share the, our faith. Declare those things, rather than just saying, well, just look at my life and you'll see Jesus. Uh, with all due respect, none of us are that good <laughs> and that perfect that people would watch our lives and suddenly turn to Jesus. We do need to explain some of the things that are there. And we know that it has become a culture when it's natural, if you could say that thing, or, or automatic, it's our default. You see, when something has become your culture, you're not even aware that you're doing it. You don't do it. It's, it, it. So if, we try to explain this. When evangelism and witnessing and sharing our faith and making disciples is a culture... It, it now no longer becomes an event that we do, but becomes a lifestyle that we live in. And until it becomes that, then we need to be probably a little bit more intentional as to how we do things and when we do it and what we do. If you use this analogy, if, if um, we were watching something on the TV the other night and there was this lady, I can't remember how old she is, but she's in a, she's older. Um, anyway, they're going to, she's older than you, Chris. I don't think she's as old as Pauline. but uh, And anyway, on this pathway, she sat on a swing and hadn't, hadn't swung on a swing since she was like six or seven or something. But if you think about sitting on a swing, it takes a lot of effort to start it moving. Once you get going, it's just a constant momentum that you have to maintain. The same is true for any culture we look to, we set our sight on what we believe and say, God, help me to put that into practice. And sometimes it feels like it's hard work, but it's worth it because it's changing our fallen nature, our wrong thinking, and bringing it in line with the scripture and the word of God and the truth. And sometimes it takes intentional hard work to get that going. But as we start, as we start giving ourselves to those things intentionally, that then becomes part of who we are as we reflect Christ more and more. And then it just requires a constant momentum of disciplined life of following after him. Make sense? So this morning, as we look at this, there might be areas you think, James, that's going to take a lot of hard work. It's like, it doesn't matter. Let's give ourselves to those things. Because if we build our life on what we truly believe... 
Sometimes it takes a bit of hard work and power of the Holy Spirit working in us and our surrender to him to put those things into practice that it becomes how we live and who we are. Makes sense? So I want to look first at the bigger picture of reaching globally, reaching the world for the kingdom. Because often we can be so focused on what's going on here that we miss the bigger picture. And remember, this thing of evangelism and witness and church planting is both locally, so both for here, Crawley, all those people who live around us and this town and beyond, but it also goes beyond to different parts of the world. And the commission is for each one of us to be involved in those things. And just as um, we spoke about the, the fact that God leads us in these ways and we need to trust him and we can when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is the same truth. If you think about it, we speak about church planting, probably, well certainly this is my understanding, probably because we, it, it, it's, it lands up with a seed that is planted that then grows, it has life, it grows, and it becomes fruitful. So that's, I think, why we use that term. So when I speak about church planting, that's what I'm speaking about. We sow the seed of the gospel, people get saved, established in a church that has life, that then grows and bears fruit and multiplies and reproduces. And God can use every single one of us because that's the commission. If you think about it, us, not a huge church by any means, but God chose that someone would get saved here by coming to this church. Their life transformed And now they've planted a church or started in Central Asia. How on earth, nowhere in my mind did I ever think that we would be sending people to say, I don't even remember when we first went with them, when I first went, I, had to, I agreed to go. I said, go and find a contact, we'll go with you. And then I had to quickly go and find where we were going. That, but God uses every single one of us. And that's the heart, is saying, God, you've called us here, you've commissioned us, so let me put that in place in the local as well as beyond. And you might think, well, James, I'm older, I can't go. We can go. You can go short term, you might not go to Central Asia, but you could go up the road to London where Phil and Sam are meeting and just go and encourage them on a weekend to strengthen and encourage them. But we also need to go to our neighbors, go to those in this town and go to beyond. But it starts with praying and making the adjustments and bringing those things before God and connecting because when we pray, then our hearts are transformed by a connection with God that stirs us and changes our thinking. And, and we see that then being outworked in the life of the church and in the life of each one of us individually. But we need to remember that it's not just Crawley. It's not just the Southeast. It's the UK and beyond, Europe and beyond. From us, yes, from us. If we never go to some of those countries, at least we can pray for some of those countries. John and Saula, they're people in their village that actually fall in an unreached people group. We didn't know that, they didn't know that, but now we do, so now there's a talk. You see, God can use every single one of us because the commission is for every single one of us. And we start by praying. And so the challenge is this. We looked at Acts chapter 8 a few weeks ago where it said when they were scattered, wherever they went, they preached the gospel and they preached the kingdom. Remember that? 
And we looked at the fact that it was the apostles that stayed in Jerusalem, but everybody, so everybody who was scattered, that was just normal people. Not that the apostles weren't, but you know what I'm saying. And they preached the gospel. And the same is true for us, that we are to preach the gospel. We are to give testimony. We are to plant churches, establish people in those things. And so the big picture is that actually to do this, we need to go beyond the walls of this church. We need to go beyond the walls of the relationships that we have. We need to go into the town. I'm not saying now we go into the town square. What I'm saying is this. You might live in Crawley, but are you part of Crawley? You see, when we look at it, we see the effectiveness of a church isn't the number of people, but how we impact and live out what God's called us to. And a, a, a while ago, and again, I've spoken of this before, I've used the analogy of when I was growing up and we used to bring in different harvests, not using combine harvesters, we used to go and pick corn, and it was always done in a, with at least two, sometimes three of us. Thankfully, I've got two brothers, so it was usually three of us. I usually got the, the short end of the stick because I'm the youngest. But you used to go in between the rows of corn, hold your arms out like this, and the older brother would break them off and load you up, and you'd go back, and then the other brother was there. What I'm saying is this. In order to bring the harvest in, we had to be in the field. In order for us to make an impact in Crawley, we actually have to be part of Crawley. We can't sit in the walls of the building of the church. We can't sit in the walls of our relationship and and think, well, we're going to pray for the harvest and not go into the harvest field. We need to go into the harvest field and be part of so that we can reach them. Otherwise, you see, if we didn't walk down the rows of the corn, we could never sit on the side of the field and, and say, well, the harvest's ready. It's like you can't just look at it and it kind of gets into the van. We actually had to go in the court. And you know what? It was really itchy and really not comfortable, but it was necessary. And when we look at Scripture, we see Jesus. Jesus was in amongst the people. The religious people didn't like him, but he was called the friend of sinners. In other words, they were really okay with hanging around him. It wasn't like whenever they were near him, they suddenly felt this pious religious thing that said that you were filthy, those people who knew they were sinners actually were drawn to him. And yet, unfortunately, too often the church today is probably more repelled by the world than willing to go in the world. And why I'm saying this is because actually as we look at saying, God, what have you called us to? We've called to preach the gospel, to evangelize, to witness, to make disciples, to impact the world around us. God, we can't do that by sitting in our safe relationships with other believers. We need those to build, to strengthen, to keep us focused on him. But we need to be in that place where we rub shoulders. Remember before COVID, I used to coach the, the Crawley hockey team for a number of years. Why? Because that put me into the context of teenagers and families of Crawley. I loved the game, but the focus was more I needed to connect with the people. So my question to you and to myself is, how are we doing about, if if this is a culture of evangelism and reaching the lost, do you know the lost? Are they your friends? Can you invite them to your home and love them and share your faith with them and see them discipled? 
requires that we equip ourselves with how to preach the gospel, how to share our faith. Not, not, in, not in a religious thing, but in the reality of this is what it means. This is how we do that. And if you don't know how to do that, speak to your home group leaders or come speak to me. or look. There are loads of different ways, but make it real, authentic. The world doesn't want religious trite. It wants authenticity. It requires that we live with an authentic relationship with God. And if we to give testimony of our, the goodness of God, that needs to be a testimony of today. Not a testimony of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but today. Which requires us to live in communion with God, abiding in the vine, the life of God flowing in us and through us, and have testimony of his goodness and his faithfulness and his truth and his love that can then be shared with those around us. But it requires us to go out and find people, go and befriend people, go and build relationships with people who are not believers, who maybe not even like you. Why? Because that's what we're called to do, to preach the gospel. The fact is that the world out there, and the scripture tells us, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're confused. They, they, uh, they don't know they're left from their right hand. They're hopeless and harassed. And yet we have the answer, which is Jesus. We have a relationship with him, and the reality of that in us should be that we could share that with them. But we need to be in the field to bring in the harvest. We can declare, and we can pray for, and we can speak over. The fields are white. The fields are ready. God, send the workers. We are the workers. So we should be saying, God, send me, and just go, go into a field. So find a field. My challenge for each one of us is find where you can go and be part of. I know there are guys in the church who are part of uh, book clubs out there. I'm going to, I'm going to Rob and Katie, they, they, don't be embarrassed, but they, they do this really well. They might not think they do, but they do. They're part of a book club. Oh, I can't be part of a book club. I can read, but I, don't, I just read training and scripture and things. I can't read novels. I tried. They, they're part of a book club, and some of the books they have to read are not really nice. But that's not the point. The point is even those books, they can then come and give a biblical, godly perspective on those themes. Why? Because they've got a group of people that they've built a relationship with over time, where their faith has not been hidden, but it's always been known, that they can be salt and light and impact those around them. That's what I'm talking about. They could say, well, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to start a, a Christian book club, and, we, and some of the Christian books are probably as bad as some of those ones, but, and we'll just hang out with our friends and do that, which is fine, but it's, it's not reaching the lost. We need to be those who put ourselves into the field if we're going to bring in the harvest. And where people get saved, they then knit it into church. A church community. We looked at what, remember, we looked at all those pictures of what the church is. All the different metaphors that are used and how that explains different aspects of what it means to be the church. But we are the church. And you can't connect people into the community of the kingdom of God in the church if you yourself are not connected. So that's why it's important that we are thoroughly connected and, and connected into the relationships in this church community in order that those that get saved are knitted into it. 
Otherwise, where do they go? How do they get discipled? How do they get strengthened? How do they grow in their faith? We need to be part of a community, part of a local church. That's why the picture of church planting is so important because it's to go and reach the lost, they get saved, and then they form a community that is an expression of the church in that place so that they then grow in him and are fruitful by impacting others. That's what we see in Scripture. And when we look at our, uh, the life of the church, we have home groups. Now, um, I know the purpose of home groups because we preached that and did that, but most of the home groups, probably all, most of our time is, is, is taken with wrestling with the Word of God, which is good, applying that to our lives, which is good and necessary, but it's church people talking about church things to grow as believers, and that should surely then be expressed in us reaching others. But how about this? What happens if actually you find it really easy to invite your neighbor into your home or your friend into your home, spend time with them, speak about God, that they get saved, and then you can start building. They don't then have to go to a home group, just invite another friend, and you can start a home group. That can reach another lot. and reach an- You see, we can actually have different forms of home groups shock and horror, that actually are, are just to reach the lost and to disciple and to strengthen. And don't wait for me to tell you. The commission is from God, not me. The commission is from God for all of us to go and make disciples. All of us. So if you invite friends around, love them, share your faith with them, see them get saved, invite others, do the same thing. Do this, and you don't have to do alpha, although it's good you've got enough knowledge of who God is to preach the gospel. So actually what we'd see across the town is households and and groups in every area, every street, every neighborhood that is like, you know that picture that Jesus uses as, now I'm getting distracted, as a a city on a hill, a a light and salt that isn't hidden. Can we just think a little bit further, not further, but a little bit more graphically as to let it be like flames of fire that is igniting across the town, across the nations. You know those pictures that you see from Google Maps at nighttime with all the lights? Let that be an expression of us as a church as we, as we passionately follow after him and preach the gospel and see the lost saved and disciple them and go and get more and go and get more, that we see those people's lives transformed and actually the whole place is just filled with the power of God. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to take the commission to go and make disciples, preach the gospel, be a witness, plant churches. That's what it means. Not contained within the walls of a building or the restrictions of relationships, but saying, God, use me in whatever way that we become beacons that are of lights that actually just burn in every single place. So that we see people's lives transformed. That's what the commission is. That's what we call to do. But we need to be in the field in order to reach the people that are the harvest. It starts with prayer and position. Prayer, praying to God for them, that God would change our heart, that God would move our hearts. But also praying for them, that the percentage of time that we pray for those out there, not just Crawley, but across the world, is far greater than the amount of time we spend praying about ourselves and our own needs but also means that we position ourselves, position ourselves in the world. Not of the world, but in the world. Too often we've taken that scripture to mean, 
I'm going to barricade myself around, away from the world and just live in the safety of relationships that I have. But Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was not changed by them, but their lives were totally transformed by the power of God working through and in him. And so as we end this morning, we're here to, we call to minister the gospel. So we know, need to know how we do that. How do you preach the gospel? Equip yourself, come and speak. Let's, let's help you to equip yourself. But if we need to preach the gospel, we need to know the gospel. And I would imagine that every single one of us who are saved knows the gospel because we're saved. If you didn't know the gospel, you wouldn't be saved. So don't think you need a degree in it, or you, need, you just need to know what it is and how you came to Jesus. That's, an, that's a starting point. It's not rocket science. It's quite simple, but we need to know the gospel to be able to give testimony of that. We need to be those who have current testimony of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. In other words, in order to do that, push into him, the vine and the branches. Let him dwell in him, abide in him. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform you so that that life of God, the testimony of God flows from you so that you've got a testimony to give. We need to minister to those that we see around us with compassion with hearts that reach out, with the genuine love that we value them, that we give them time, not kind of just swan in and swan out and, and not actually see them, not a pious religiosity, but actually we genuinely love and care for those that are around us, that are unsaved, no matter who they are, no matter what background they come from, it really doesn't matter. When we minister with compassion, they know the genuine love of God. That's why those people who are sinners knew that Jesus loved them. Our our marker should be Jesus. We do it how he does it. And in that process, we restore dignity, human dignity to people so that we respect them and we honor them in how we speak and how we live and we connect them to others in the family of God. But we need to be connected in order to do that. So what is your current culture? In other words, what is the current way in you live out the element of evangelism, witness, and with a heart to see churches planted. What are the adjustments you need to make? What is our current culture? What are the adjustments we need to make? You see, God's plan hasn't changed. It's always been that everybody would come to an understanding and relationship with him and be given the opportunity to respond to him. And it's always been that it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is made known. And it's always through us, the church, that we are the ones who commissioned to call, uh, to go and preach the gospel. If you're waiting for God to change his strategy, to get yourself an out, it's not going to happen. Let's give ourselves to the things of the kingdom. The, the word that came about, the, the, the corridor that brings life, that's, there's only one way to God and it's through Jesus. And we walk in that. You are, where, the other word that came, you are where God has you. Don't try and go back to something else. Let God do that. that. As God speaks, step out in faith. Why? Because the commission to reach the lost, to preach the gospel, to evangelize the world, starts with you and I, with those out there, that those that God's put into our lives. No place is too far. No task is too big. Because God is greater. And God equips. And God empowers We just need to surrender to him and allow the life of God to flow through us. Know the truth so that we can declare that with others. Let's pray.
Father God, I thank you that we are in relationship with you and we know you as our Lord and King. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here this morning who doesn't know that for certain, that they would respond to you. That as you draw them, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you would make them just realize who you are and turn to you. But Lord, for us who are your children... Lord, where we have taken our focus off what you've called us to and put it onto ourselves and our own security and comfort and we can't do this and disqualified ourselves or just decided we're not going to do those things. Lord, this morning we repent. And I ask, Lord, that you would stir in each one of our hearts the desire but also the, uh, by your Spirit you would enable us to go into the world to reach the lost, that we'd find ourselves in the f- harvest fields. God, I pray for creative ideas of how to reach and plant ourselves in the communities that we live in for the sake of your kingdom. That, Lord, it wouldn't be our own strength, our own message, but it would be the truth of your word and the power of your spirit that would work in us and through us to transform the world for your kingdom. Lord, we surrender to you. Help us make these things a part of who we are rather than just events that we do that we would bring you glory and honor, that you would be lifted up and exalted, and that your kingdom would be advanced. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much. There's tea and coffee next door.